Hey there, Georgia football fans. You are listening to episode 33 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. My name is Scott Duvall. This is a special bonus episode that we are airing of an interview that my co-host Tony Waller conducted yesterday with Georgia alumnus and 2015 Camping World Independence Bowl chairman, Kyle McInnes. But before we jump into the interview, I just wanted to give a couple of Georgia football updates as things continue to change seemingly every day. Today is Friday, December 4th, and earlier this morning, Coach Mark Rick was introduced as the 24th head coach for the University of Miami football team. And because of this news, it's of course official that Coach Rick will not be on the sidelines for Georgia during their bowl game, as he addressed the team yesterday afternoon and reportedly received a warm send-off from the players, as he should have. And soon after, Director of Athletics Greg McGarity announced that Coach Brian McClendon will hold the interim head coach title for the Dogs in whatever bowl destination they end up going to. But one player who will not make the bowl trip is third-string quarterback Fatone Bauta, as he has decided to transfer. And because he's graduated from UGA, he'll be allowed to play one year at any FBS school of his choosing without having to sit out a year. Similar to how Grayson Lambert transferred to Georgia this summer after having graduated from University of Virginia. And interestingly enough, that will leave UGA with just Lambert and Bryce Ramsey as the only scholarship quarterbacks for the bowl game. (laughs) And since I mentioned the word bowl game, I figured that's a good enough segue to move on into our bowl talk episode. So in it, Tony and Kyle discuss the bowl selection process as it pertains to the SEC and talk about how the Camping World Independence Bowl will determine what teams meet for its game to be played on December 26th at 5.45 p.m. Eastern Time. So here's Tony. But first, let me give a heartfelt thank you to Kyle for taking time out of his busy schedule to talk with us at the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. Take it away, guys. This is Tony Waller with the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast, and I'm very happy to be joined with Kyle McGinnis, who is actually a damn good dog, an attorney in Shreveport, Louisiana, and currently serving as the 2015 Camping World Independence Bowl chairman. Kyle, how are you doing? Doing good. It's it's going to be funny. Your listeners saying, "Why is the independent soul chairman on the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast?" But uh, well, it, well, there's two. There's as, two. A, as a loyal alum and listener, I feel <laughs> there's two really good reasons. And just so everybody knows that, as Kyle said, he is a he is a loyal alum. Uh, he actually tailgates with us when he's in town. And that is before he was jetting off to such exotic locales as Pullman. You were in Pullman last week, right? Pullman or was no, it Seattle? I was in Seattle. Oh, that's right. For the Apple uh, Apple Cup and then Berkeley. Berkeley. So tell me a little bit of what it's like to be a bowl chairman. It was a lot of work. I was not really fully prepared for the amount of work. And this year has been especially taxing because we had to get a new title sponsor, which we did in the middle of the summer, and then we had a ballot initiative that would increase our hotel occupancy tax here by a very small percentage. And part of that money was going to go toward the independence bowl. And so it's basically like I've been running for office for the last two and a half months. And that has not been fun and uh, not something I want to repeat. I told my wife and my secretary never let me run for office. (laughs) And then, and then the game hasn't even, you know, we're, we're still scouting. We don't have teams, you know, yet announced. And so, now that's going to be a lot of work leading up to the game. Yeah, and I'll get to we'll get the selection process and where y'all fit in the the firm of SEC teams in a minute. But I'm really interested. You know, a lot of people see these bowl folks wearing their. You know, y'all have gold jackets, is that right? Uh, we have red, but red. Uh, okay. Our policy 
uh, and I don't know when this changed, but our policy is we have both a Navy and a Red. Okay. And we scout in Navy and locally wear Red, which um, I, I thought about changing this year, but I would have been met with massive resistance by the uh, rest of the selection. Well, I guess I understand that. Now, the Independence Bowl is put on by, is it by a, a foundation? or is that- Yeah, it is a 501c3 foundation, nonprofit. So, Really, we're we're unlike a lot of bowls. A lot of bowls are owned by local tourist bureaus, sure, or the sports commission in a local area. Like Florida Citrus Sports is, I think, a branch of their tourism bureau. And then ESPN owns, I believe, twelve bowls. Yeah, you know, a lot of people don't know that, and I get especially frustrated when I hear people on ESPN saying, "Well, there's just too many bowls. There's too many bowls," and I say. Well, it's because you guys have 12 of them, you know? Um, in the past couple of years, a lot of the conferences, the non-Power 5 conferences, have created bowls for themselves. Right, you're talking about GoDaddy and New Orleans and all that? Yeah, like Bahamas. A lot of the more minor bowls that have come up recently, they were put in place by a conference, and then they're turned over to ESPN. Oh, okay. Um, so... People are complaining all the time. There's 40 bowls. There's all this stuff. Yeah, it's because you know the powers that be in college football, ESPN being the 800-pound gorilla, and the minor conferences are creating all these things. So, you know, it's it's sort of a self-created problem. And the Independence Bowl is one of the oldest bowls around. I mean, now, right? Yes, we're. This is 40th year. Okay, I remember. I, I had it in my head. It was the early 70s. So 76. Tell me a little bit about I, – I know that y'all are one of the bowls that is SEC preference, but not part of the, I guess, the conference. Yeah, we're, cool. we're, we're low. Yeah. Okay. So, but I know your listeners don't want – I mean, they want to hear about how the bowls ahead of us work. And so this is the selection process. And, you know, I see a lot of bowl projections throughout the year, and you can tell real quick – who knows what they're talking about? Who's read the rules and whose editor is making them do all projections? Because <laughs> you know, sometimes you see the orders and they're way out of whack. So this is the way the SEC works: is you have the New Year's Six bowls, and those are the playoff rotation bowls, the the, the big bowls: orange, sugar, peach, cotton, fiesta, and rose. Those slots are all determined by the uh, selection committee. Okay, and so. But overlaid with that is these bowls have, when they're not semifinals, they have conference preferences. So like the Sugar Bowl always wants to have an SEC team when they're not in uh, a semifinal. So at a minimum, I think this year you're going to have a team in the playoff in all likelihood if I assume that Alabama wins. And then the Sugar Bowl will will likely have an SEC team and you can debate who that's going to be. But in all likelihood, it's going to be Florida. Yeah, you, you can say that. You know, I don't know what the rankings will look like at the end of the season. They do them after the, the championship sure, game, sure. and then they, they figure it out. So there's those New Year's Six playoff rotation bowls. And whoever, you know, how many other SEC teams are in there, that's how many are in there. So the next pick out of the SEC goes to the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl, which was once the Citrus Bowl, I think it's in the Capital One Bowl, and Georgia's played in it. That gets the first pick after the, the playoff rotation New Year's Six Bowls. One quick question. This is something that came up the other day. Are they required to take 
the number two or three or whatever team, or is that something they work with the conference on? They get first pick. Okay. So it's my understanding that the conference doesn't really have a say in that. It is the Buffalo Rawlings Bowl comes in and says, okay, these teams are playing in the playoff or the New Year's Six Bowls. We want this team of the teams that are left over. After that, then there are what we call the six-pack. Yeah. And that's the Outback Belt, Tax Slayer, Music City, Texas, and Liberty. So those bowls, there is no defined order. Supposedly, the SEC is supposed to determine which team goes to those bowls. Now, I think the SEC is not iron-fisted on that. You know, they try to work with the bowls to match up the teams that they want. And in fact, in our last selection committee meeting, um, you know, we rank preferences as to who we think is going to be in our mix. These bowls do the exact same thing. So they'll rank. Well, if these scenarios play out, these are the people that we want. The conference is supposed to match that up uh, based on geography to try to sell bowl tickets and based on sort of the school's preferences. And the school's preference is going to be determined by a lot of different things. For instance, one of those is, and you, Georgia season ticket holders will know, the order form for bowl tickets came out. You got to make your decision by December 4th. You got to have your order in. Well, that's the day before the championship game. And that's because Saturday and Sunday, really Sunday morning is when all this stuff gets solidified. So the school can sit there and say, well, I know that our fans would be excited to go to Jacksonville again or Tampa because these are the orders that we've received so far. Now, I'm not saying that's, you know, the way it's, that's one factor that goes into it, but it's still sort of nebulous as to how those decisions get made. Uh, there's a lot of, I think, backroom stuff and brokering among those, those bowls and the conference to figure out who's going to match up best. So after that, then you have Birmingham and Shreveport, you know, picking the remaining teams. So if somehow Florida were to win, and let's say, uh, under some bizarre scenario, you have three SEC teams play up in those New Year's Six Bowls. Birmingham and Shreveport are just not going to have a team. And those bowls that are down at the lower end of the pink borders in any conference have generally either backup agreements or they go out on the open market to find conferences with excess teams. Now, that is this year is the last year that the NCAA has said to all the bowls, we will have you two teams. That's why you hear all this stuff about five and seven teams getting bowl slots. And they basically said, we're going to look at APRs as a selection criteria, right? That's right. But uh, the old, well, the, the previous rules that were published didn't help us any this year because all the, I think it was the top five APR teams were the ones designated to go if they were five and seven. Well, all those teams became bowl eligible. Right. And so now, I know in last week, there were all these discussions about how do the five and seven teams work out. I think it's going to be uh, the five and seven teams with the highest APRs. I think Mizzou was in there. I'd say Mizzou was one of those. We're, we're not interested in going to a bowl, and I don't blame them. I think Nebraska is one of those teams. 
So you're going to have some five and seven teams uh, sure. playing this year in all likelihood. So it's an ACC or Notre Dame versus an SEC team as your kind of priority, and then you kind of go into the market. Is that how it works for y'all? Well, for us, we have a backup agreement with the American and okay. Conference USA. Okay. And so if we don't have an SEC team, and it's looking that way, then we'll have a backup agreement with, with those guys. It'll kick in. If we don't have an ACC, you know, let's say North Carolina wins, and you've got North Carolina closing and Florida State in the ACC uh, in one of those New Year's Six, and Notre Dame gets in there, then you know, we might be open on another side. And so that's why I'm in Seattle and Berkeley looking at Pac-12 teams. Sure. Because, you know, you're, you're trying to go out in the open market, try to, try to find an appealing team. So and, who are you thinking from the ACC then? Is that something you could share? Well, we don't we don't really know. Okay. Um, you know, it's going to depend on who's who's available. You know, Frank Beamer, I think, in Virginia Tech would be very attractive to us, but I'm sure that's attractive to a lot of people to have his last game. Sure. Um, but but you don't really know. And really, when all this stuff starts to crystallize, there's going to be the Sunday after the the championship games. Right. I, I remember in 2012 going to that game. That was the Aaron Murray Alabama championship game. I remember talking to the Cotton Bowl guys and they were saying, you know, hey, it's looking like Georgia's going to come to Dallas. And I was excited about it because, number one, just the novelty of it and, you know, being able to drive to the game. And by the time uh, we landed uh, on Sunday, we were going to the Capital One Bowl. So things just shift all over the place on Sunday and it's usually a hectic day for, for the bowl people. And when will y'all have a decision? Everybody's going to have a decision on Sunday. Okay. Do y'all have a time so, a time that you have to get your pick to ESPN or uh, or whoever? Let me see. We usually start meeting at the latter part of the afternoon. It's probably about 4 o'clock. Okay. Because at that point, the New Year's Six is picked. The rankings have come out. And so... It's it's really just working to figure out what team is going where and what your preference is based on the remaining teams. At least for us, you know, our process is completely different than you know, places like the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl or you know those New Year's. Yeah, because that's slotted for them. Completely different world than we are. Yeah, and even the, the that sort of six pack in the SEC because um, they're really jockeying, um, I think, and they probably have a good idea of. You know, the two or three teams that are that are in their mix. In fact, I saw today that the Tax Slayer Bowl had some Twitter polls up about LSU versus some Big Ten teams versus Georgia versus some Big Ten teams. So, you know, no, nobody really knows for sure, but you but certainly everybody has an idea of what the three or four teams on each side are, are going to be. Very cool. Well, Kyle, I'll be honest, I'd you know, you're talking about AAC. If you're not getting an SEC team, how cool would Memphis versus Virginia Tech be for y'all? That would be great. Would That'd be a spectacular game, right? I don't think that's going to happen. Though. No, at that, I, don't, I don't think that's going to. I don't think the ACC or the Americans are going to let that happen. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Regretfully, probably right. right. Yeah. For a while, we thought uh, maybe we would have Virginia Tech versus Mizzou, and it was going to be sort of a um, everybody leave home match. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the anti-George Welsh Jim Donnan Aloha ball game? <laughs> yeah, I think it would be. Uh, <laughs> is that they both fired? Uh, yeah, I think they were both invited to not come back. I think that's the way it worked. 
What's the coolest place you got to go this year? Well, I didn't scout much because of all the political campaign. So my West Coast swing last weekend was the only trip that uh, scouting trip that I went to. But I will say I'd never been to Seattle before. And I didn't spend a whole lot of time there, but it was very impressive. And not only the city itself, but Washington's facility, that may be the nicest college facility I've ever been in. They, they had just redone it, I think, a couple of years ago. And um, you know, I got to go back into the locker room and the weight room and all that stuff. And it was very impressive. So um, that would probably be uh, the spot that I've enjoyed the most. Ball's been very good to me. They sent me to Notre Dame a couple of years ago to try to entice them. And I thought I made a very compelling case, but um, uh, they went to New York over us. I knew I was in trouble when uh, the other bowl that, uh, that we were sort of competing with sent a former Notre Dame letterman. Uh, that's to, that's to never them. good. Yeah. No. Yes. So the fix was probably kind of in. And then, you know, 2012 SEC championship game was uh, a lot of fun until – you know, the, the last five seconds. Yeah. Uh, but you know, everybody was there. I got to meet all the guys that I read uh, on a regular basis. And, you know, it was just a, a lot of fun. Yeah, I think that game is why I thought you had a gold jacket because you came by the tailgate wearing a gold jacket that day. So a very well, uh, a very well versed University of Georgia graduate went to law school at Washington and Lee and, uh, and now practices law in Shreveport, which is your hometown. Is that right? Actually, I, I grew up about 30 miles east of here in a town that no one has ever heard of. Huh? Okay. And Delusia. Okay. There is a actually a very cool picture of Kyle reflecting on Coach Rick Day's <laughs> presenting the Independence Bowl champion trophy when we beat Texas A&M. Whatever year was that? Seven or eight? Old, I think that was oh. Nine? Oh, nine. Okay. Yeah. Kyle, they, the they, they went to the Liberty Bowl, and I went to that one, which is, which is pretty miserable. We, so let's just not talk about that. On the field. Let's, let's not talk yeah. about that. That was not good. <laughs> but, uh, but Kyle, there's a great picture of Kyle that, uh, if you read the Georgia Sports blog, I put up there, and also it, it was around in media presenting the, the trophy to Coach Rick. So, Kyle McGinnis, the 2015 Camping World Independence Bowl chairman. Kyle, good luck this week. Could put together a compelling game for us to watch. We're going to try, but a lot of it's out of our hands. <laughs> hey, <laughs> cool. Well, thanks a lot, Kyle. Enjoyed it, and I'll, I'll be sure to listen on my way to, uh, to Atlanta this weekend for the, for the championship game. I appreciate it, Kyle. Yep. All right. Bye, Tony. Thanks so much for listening. You can find out more about the Camping World Independence Bowl by typing all those words out in a row and adding a .com. <laughs> I'll have the website linked on our show notes, but seriously, it's campingworldindependencebowl.com. Let us know what you think of the interview and give us a tweet at WSLS Podcast on Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode as the three of us will break down championship Saturday as the final four teams for the college football playoff will be decided this weekend. We'll also update you on any of the latest news as it pertains to Kirby Smart being the new head coach of Georgia, what it means for assistant coaches, and also how it will impact recruiting. There's a lot to cover, so stay tuned. So thanks again to Tony and Kyle. Have yourselves a great weekend, and as always, go dogs. <laughs>